The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Women of the Word, September 3rd, 2023. All right, ladies, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I hate to interrupt these great conversations because we've been talking about having great conversations. So, um, but I also, I don't like to start late um, because I have so much information. I've been overwhelmed at how many resources there really are on developing biblically sound good friendships. I I really was. I didn't expect to find quite so much. So in addition to the two that um, Jamie and I have kind of been going through, which are um, Heather Holloman's six conversations that I'm motioning to Drew because she brought it this morning, um, and then also Jonathan Holmes, um, The Company We Keep, um, and the subtitle of this is In Search of Biblical Friendship. Um, I also mentioned last week we're going to be talking about this, like, very little. This is such a quick read, but it is power-packed, um, How Should We Develop Biblical Friendship by Joel Beakey and Michael Haken. And, but these are all great resources, and what I'm finding is with more and more resources, I am finding, of course, some repetition because they're biblically founded. Um, but there's so much about friendship in the Bible, and uh, both illustrative with the stories we read of good friendships, as well as instructional. Um, I was listening to something about love. We're going to revisit that topic again today because this is the root, right? The vertical love, the relationship between ourselves and Christ that we need to be feeding into first, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then out of the overflow of that love, we find these vertical relationships and practice the one another's in love. And this gentleman that I was listening to, um, Maureen actually sent me a great resource, um, IBCD. I always get them backwards, the acronym. IBCD is one of the training resources for biblical counseling, and they have a multitude of messages that they post online that are from those conferences. And there was a whole conference in 2022 on friendships, and so she sent me the links to it. If any of you want it, um, let Maureen or let myself know. Just give us your email address, and we'll send them. But they are so good. And one of the things he was talking about in his message on love is in the 13 letters that Paul wrote, he talks about love 54 times. That's a lot. It tells us how very important it is, right? Like we know the worldly principle that repetition breeds retention. The things that we hear over and over and over again, we hang on to. Our minds are, they grasp onto those because they think, wow, if I'm hearing this over and over and over again, especially if we're hearing it here, Um, we know God wants us to pay attention and he wants us to listen to those things. So um, that's a great resource if you're more of an audio learner or if you're more of a listener, if you have more time to listen to resources. Um, And then Laura Milliken will be with us for the next two weeks, and I know she's done a deep dive not only into the scriptures but also into another book that was written on friendship. And then the following week, we're going to kind of do a little bit of an overview and a recap, and I'm going to bring several different resources and just show them to you if you're a reader um, or if you want to get the audiobooks and just study this a little bit more on your own. Um, I've been just really encouraged that this starts with the Lord. If you're married, it's next with your husband, right? Like they should be the ones our 
like earthly friendship we're developing the most deeply. And for those of you who aren't married, bear that in mind. Practice all of these things and make sure that that friendship is your highest priority. Um, And then as the outflow of that is friends that you have as couples, friends that you have as women um, in and of the word. So obviously I've been thinking a lot about friendship lately as we've been taking this deep dive. And um, as I've been meditating on a lot of the truths that God's been revealing to me, he brought something to mind that I thought about so much when my children were little. Because when they're little and they don't obey, we have to ask why, right? And so it boils down to, is it a skill? Do they not know how to do what I'm asking them to do? And if it is, easy. We teach, right? We teach the skill. Um, Or is it the will? Are they not obeying because they don't want to obey and they're not um, practicing that biblical submission to obedience? Um, Kelly, would you do me a favor and turn the air conditioning on? Because I forgot, and I don't know about you all. Maybe it's just being up here, but it's warm in here. It is, yeah. So um, we need to try and discern when our kids are really little. Are they not doing it because they don't know how? Um, which we teach, or are they not doing it because they just don't want to? And then we have to figure out, okay, now which biblical principle do they need to learn? Do they need to learn submission to authority? Like, what is it that they need to learn? And that's a little bit harder. Um, But I want to challenge you ladies tonight, because the Lord totally challenged me. He's like, okay, are your friendships not as deep as you'd like them to be because you don't really know how? And that's what we spent the last three weeks, and we'll even look at that more today, learning is how do we develop those deeper <laughs> friendships with our spouses if we have one, with other women in the church, um, and we really are keeping this in the context of biblical friendships, so friendships with believers. Um, there is a place for friendship with unbelievers, but we can't have expectations of truly biblical, two-way biblical friendships with unbelievers, obviously. Um So I don't know that I'm necessarily going to share new information. I don't know that the last few weeks have been new information. Maybe some new practical skills, especially with those questions and those different categories that we can ask questions in, listening better, listening for what people's core values are, those things. Um, But I attended a women's conference a while back, and when the woman got up, she said, I'm probably not going to tell you anything you don't already know today. but I'm going to challenge you to apply it. And I love that because it caused me to listen more carefully to the things that were the implications from the things I already knew because a lot of it I did already know. I don't, I don't know that there was a lot that was groundbreaking breaking at that conference, but when I left there, I'm like, okay, how do I apply everything that she just said? So I really want to challenge you ladies to apply it. And we've been kind of doing that a little bit all the way along, maybe a little more subtly. So today I'm, I'm getting in your face because the Lord got in my face and said, now do it. Go do these things. Um, so there, it's the same two reasons that we don't do the things God asks us to do. We either don't know how or we aren't willing to do them. Um, and there's a lot of reasons that we're not willing to do them. And part of that we've talked about a little bit is fear, right? We have fear of relationships because of maybe past hurts, because of maybe lots of different reasons. So we'll talk about a little bit of those. Um, so... We are going to be challenged to do hard things, right? Pre-fall relationships were perfect. There was perfect relationship between God and the people he had created. But once the fall hit, we can't expect perfect relationships anymore. So we have to have 
appropriate expectations of our friends, just like we ask them to have appropriate expectations for us, right? Because when I'm having a bad day, I'm probably going to think, say, or do something I shouldn't. By God's grace, hopefully I think it and close this and stop it there, but sometimes it comes out. And so I need you ladies to extend me grace. You need your friends to extend. We need to do that with each other because that's how Jesus deals with us, right? He's so gracious with us. He doesn't bring the hammer down when we sin. He lovingly says, come to me, right? All who are weary and heavy laden. So he wants us to bring our burdens there. Um, I want you to listen to one of the guiding principles of Gold Country Baptist Church's bylaws. Quote, mutual edification of the body of Christ through discipleship, godly fellowship, ministering to the needs of others, and exhorting one another to live according to biblical instruction and holy living. This is one of the guiding principles of our church. If you're a member here, you've made a commitment to do this. These things come from Acts 2, Hebrews 10, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 4, and I'm sure other places. But those are specifically the places that, um, that our leaders in the establishment of these guiding principles wrote down. So these are the things we need to think about in our relationships, right? Mutual edification of the body. We are to be building one another up. And if one of us is feeling torn down by our sins, by a relationship, discouraged, whatever it is, you know your friends. You see it. How many of you have seen that discouragement on a good friend's face and you immediately know something's off? Raise your hand. Right? Okay. Almost everybody here. We know when something's off, right? So we need to either come alongside and disciple, have fellowship, minister to their needs, or exhort them to biblical instruction and holy living. These are the things that God calls us to do in these relationships in the body, and it is for our good. And how many of you have seen that, said or done something about it, and it's turned to strengthen that relationship? Right? Almost everybody. Because it feels... Like, I'm loved when someone does that for me, even when they bring the hard things, even when someone comes alongside and sees something off and says, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? Um, Maybe this. And we talked about this before. That's so hard to do. So if someone brings that to you, recognize how hard it was for them to do and know they only did it because they really love you and they really love the Lord because he said go do that for them right and they didn't ignore it they did it because they love you so we just we need to remember those things um my teaser last week was from this book how should we develop biblical friendship and the author said quote friendship is one of the primary means God uses to strengthen his people. He wants us to be strengthened, right? There were three goals of meaningful conversations that we talked about. Does anybody remember what those goals were? So when I walk away from a conversation, I can ask these three biblically-based questions about that conversation. Anybody remember? 
three, three, three things you're struggling with, three things you're celebrating, and three things that are upcoming. Okay, those were, there have been so many numbers in this class, I'm sorry, there have been so many lists. But those were the encouragements that Jamie gave us and challenged us with if we find it a struggle to share our lives with others. So if I'm having trouble being transparent with someone else, this is the self-examination. What am I struggling with? What am I joyful with or happy about? And what was the other one? What am I trying to learn or something I'm trying to accomplish? Upcoming. Upcoming events. That was it. So the goals are when we walk away from a conversation, we want to have encouraged someone and feel encouraged, right? We want to challenge them to grow or be challenged to grow. And the third is we want to worship together. We want to marvel at the creator. Even if that's marveling at the face of our friend who just encouraged us and saying, I'm so thankful that God appointed this conversation because I really needed this today, right? Even if it's a text message that you got, um, it's, it's so good. So we want to worship God together. So in their book, morning, come on in. In their book, um, the, again, this book, they talk about the art of building godly friendships. And I thought that's so funny that they call it an art because I was in my mind, I think about like, you know, the practice of medicine. Is it a science? Is it an art? It's kind of both. Um, but it is an art <clears throat> that God, as our so creative creator, uses to put us in these good friendships with people who maybe share our interests but maybe don't. Maybe we have nothing in common with them except the most important thing, which is Christ. And so he puts us in these relationships and these friendships um, so that we can embrace one another and look to God and see how he would have us be better friends. And that's what I want you guys to think about. That's one of my challenges today is how can you be a better friend? So take the focus off of your friend and what they may or may not be doing that you want them to do or don't want them to do. Um, But how can you be a better friend to them? And instead of thinking really globally, think about two or three good friends already or two or three people you'd like to foster better friendships with. How can you be a better friend to them? And we'll talk practically about that today. Um, But think about, we talked last week about Jesus and his earthly friendships. So he's a great example Uh, But Paul is also a great example. We have 13 letters from him in the New Testament. So think about him as a model of what biblical friendship looks like in your own life. Lord willing, not including shipwrecks and beatings and floggings and imprisonments. Um, But we never know what the Lord has for us, right? Um, But he wrote these letters, and um, I've been studying one or two of the letters, and I've been thinking about, like, what is the purpose of Paul's letters And it never dawned on me until this week that one of the purposes in Paul's letters is to show us what good friendship looks like, right? So what are some of the purposes that Paul wrote those 13 letters? To encourage encourage believers, yes? And to remind them of what this is. Okay. To exhort them. Mm -hmm. To thank them. To thank them, yes. Instruct Instruct them. Yes. Let them know he was praying for them. Yes. To tell them I'm praying for you. And what did his prayer always include for them? 
I heard I heard something. Did you say it? Yes, grace and peace, and someone else said Thanksgiving, right? Like, how sweet to hear someone say to you, I'm giving thanks to God for you. When's the last time someone said that to you? When is the last time you said that to right? I'm so thankful that God has placed you in my life. Let me tell you why. Right? Who would that not encourage? It would encourage me. So if you don't have anybody else to practice on, tell me. I'm willing to listen. <laughs> but it's great, right? It feels love. You feel love because someone is loving you by telling you, I'm thankful for you. Right? It feels very strange to greet someone with, like, grace and peace to you. But it's a beautiful greeting, right? We want God's grace to be abounding in the lives of our friends. And we need God's grace to be abounding in our own lives. Um, So just a couple of things to think about. Consider him as a model of what biblical friendship looks like in your own life. Um, And are you being that kind of friend? Did he shrink back from saying hard things? Never. Never. And he wasn't always face-to-face but he almost always regretted that he couldn't be face-to-face, and he wasn't because he was imprisoned, right? We might not be imprisoned, but we might have seasons where we're not able to be with our friends as much as we would like. It doesn't mean that we can't reach out in different ways, right? Um, So we just need to think about that. So our commitment to loving others in community must start with our commitment to love God. We know that. We've talked about this over and over, but we need to remember that. So how do we do that? We use the means of grace. According to this book, we use the quote, means of grace, such as Bible reading, meditation and prayer, to grow in knowing your, I love their description, your covenant befriending God, and to grow in your walk with him. Because that's first, right? We grow with him first. Um, We're told in the Bible to comfort others with what? The comfort that we've been given, right? So if we are in relationship with this covenant befriending God, we're receiving his comfort. And sometimes the purpose of our trials is so that at some future time, we can walk through a very similar trial with someone else and genuinely be able to say, I have been there. I do know what you're going through. Not uniquely your situation, but these these were my circumstances at one time. May share with you how God comforted me. And that does enable us to comfort others in a unique way. Um, they, They do caution in this book, though, that not every friendship we desire will come to fruition, right? So we might be trying to walk down a path of friendship with someone and realize, like, wow, we're just... We're in two different seasons, and we're not, like, we're just not able to connect. Um, That may be a function of time. It may be a function of busyness. It may be a lot of different things. Um, But some friendships, have you ever been caught, like, off guard and surprised by friendship? Like, wow, I did not think that we would be so close as we are, but what a blessing, right, for some of the same reasons. Um, Deeper biblical friendships require discernment. they will require us to trust another person with our hearts, and that can be really scary. And I know that. I've been betrayed by friends. Um, I think I have it somewhere else, but I'll, I'll just mention it now. They also make this distinction between um, betrayal and disappointment. 
And, you know, in my teenage years, which I would never go back to, he paid me. I was betrayed. I really was. But as I think about it now, like, I haven't been betrayed by adult friendships. I've been disappointed. And I'm quite sure I've disappointed. But that's a whole different thing. Disappointments shouldn't be trust killers. Betrayal means trust has got to start from ground zero and or wherever that betrayal happened and build it back, right? It can be built back. Um, but I just want to like categorize disappointments differently. We're sinners, we're going to disappoint one another. So we just have to make sure that we distinguish between the two. Um, so I just thought that was, that was wise that they did that. They talk about level of friendships that God places in our lives, starting with kind of they, they do these concentric circles. And so that outer circle, like outside of the circle are strangers, people we don't know yet. That inner circle are acquaintances. They define as people that we've met, but we might share little with, right? We talked about the story where um, Heather Holliman, the author of Six Conversations, was at a business luncheon. If you were here, if not, if you want to listen to the recording, you can hear more. Um, and she starts this conversation, or tries, and tries, and tries, and finally asks the right question, and the whole table gets engaged, right? And that's what we want to do with acquaintances that we're at a business luncheon with, or at, you know, wherever your life takes you. Um, You know, you're at a PTA meeting for school, you're at a homeschool conference, you're at a business meeting for work, you're working with colleagues for a day and there's a couple new people, you know, just kind of trying to deepen those acquaintances a little bit. And then, I like their word for the next one, it's allies. Those whom you've learned to trust with some things that are important to you as you work toward commonly held goals, right? This is the church. We are allies. We all have the same goal, right? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To give you the brief catechism version. Um, we want to bring God glory in the things that are said, thought, and done in this church, right? We're all working toward a common goal. So we are allies in this church, um, and we need to remember that. <clears throat> Excuse me, that next level, so going closer and closer, are companions. And if you think about concentric circles, um, you know, you start here, and then what happens as you go in? What happens to the circles as you go in? They get smaller, right? And there's a reason for that. And one of them is time. Mm -hmm. One of those reasons is time. So um, we've got our acquaintances out here. We've got our allies in here. And in here, we've got our companions. And there's a lot about companionship. Um, And we talked about the Psalms, Psalm 119 a little while ago, talking about companionship. And that's why I clarify, like, we're talking about biblical friendships, friendships with believers, both inside and outside of this church. Um, But we are talking about believers. So... Um, companions are those with whom you share significant aspects of your life and work. So whether you work inside the home, outside the home, in the church, wherever your work takes you, because we all have work to do, right? God has prepared them beforehand so that we will walk in them. As we're walking that path of work, there's others that come alongside. So what are some aspects of work in the church that we do with companions? as you've served in the past. Just tell me things you've done, not on your own, not Lone Ranger service, but like with others. Awana program. Awana? Yeah, it's a great example. Choir. Choir? Good. <coughs> Vacation Bible School, absolutely. Sunday School? Yep. And you've taught Sunday School for years, but attending Sunday School too, right? 
if you came to a class on developing biblical friendships and you were the only one, would you be super encouraged about the church you're in? <laughs> right? I mean, this is a blessing that many of us want to be here together learning about this. Right? What else? What are some other things that you've done together for the glory of God? Working in youth group. Youth group? Yep. And that in this church is Adventure Club on Thursdays, Junior High on Thursdays, Disciple Group on um, Sundays. Thank you. I'm like, I know what day it is. I forgot. And then also, um, like, moving even to that next level, like the Young Adult Group, right? Because that's even the next level, right? Any of you um, participate in midweek? Raise your hand if you're in a midweek Bible study or a life group. A lot of you, right? Those are great places to find the next level, which is this center section, and these are confidants. These are very close friends who, this is how they define it, who are as one soul with you. Like, do you hear the unity of the church, of the body in that? They are as one soul with you. Um, Those with whom you share your deepest hopes and fears, um, this is the level of friendship of marriage. So if you're married, work should be invested to make your husband your closest confidant. Um, And then this is a direct quote from them. They say, quote, God made us for such friendships in paradise, but we forfeited them in the fall. We should be, listen to this carefully and closely, ladies. We should be thankful to have one such friend and count ourselves greatly blessed if we have three to five in a lifetime. (coughs) Pastors. These are pastors, right? Well-respected pastors. Count ourselves greatly blessed if we have three to five in a lifetime. And I chose to directly quote that because we need to make sure that our expectations here are accurate, right? Not an inch deep and a mile wide, right? but a mile wide with those that might be, or a mile deep with those that might be an inch wide. That's good. It's good to know who do I call in this moment, right? There was a, um, a question, I meant to write it in my notes and I forgot. There was a question in our Bible study this week about, um, I'll paraphrase, how would others, those around you, describe your life in Christ? And we had a discussion at our Bible study, and it was so good. Who knows you well enough to answer that question? And there has to be one at least. But if there's three to five in a lifetime, praise God. So this isn't a huge group of people. It's maybe one. So is there one person that you could go to and say, how would you describe my life in Christ? And not feel like you're putting her, like, on the spot to answer, but you know she loves you enough to really tell you. And how much humility would it require to ask that question in the first place, right? requires humility. You have to be prepared for the answer. And if you're one who takes time to process, you might say, or if she's one who takes time to process, you might say, hey, I want to ask you a question. So I'm going to ask you this next time I see you. Would you think about it? And that might even be a better way to approach it. Give her time to really prayerfully think about that. Um, but you might even say to her, hey, depending on what you share with me, please know I 
I'm a sinner at the core. I may require some time to process it. But be ready to process it, right? Um, I've heard John Rucker say so many times, humility is the doorway to change, right? We have to be humble and be willing to see things about ourselves that we might not see. We have blind spots, and I need to know these things. I, I do, and so do you, really. We all need to know the things that we maybe don't quite see about ourselves. So, um, confidence. Um, <clears throat> so, the work that goes into really knowing one another, growing that commitment and trust with one another, is what moves us closer and closer and closer into these levels of friendship, right? So, be persistent, um, but don't be passive, right? It's not just going to happen. Like, we talked about, um, Jamie talked about those of you who are initiators, right? And um, one of you shared, like, I'm an initiator. And um, what did Jamie say? She's like, you know, we're all waiting for you to call. Like, if we're not calling you, we're not, I think she said, we're not having a party without you. We're all waiting for you to plan the party, right? So we all know people in our lives who are initiators, right? So make it a goal this week to think about who's the initiator in your life. Reach out to her. Because she probably doesn't get reached out to nearly as much as you think she does. Because she's the one connecting everybody else, right? So reach out to her. If you're one who really enjoys spending time at home and you just don't want to go out, invite someone in. Invite someone over to have a cup of coffee with you. You know, and if you're worried that you've invited the ultimate extrovert who might overstay her welcome, say, hey, I have an hour block in my in my schedule on Thursday. Would you be able to come for coffee? I'd love to just spend some time with you. Or, hey, let's practice having a good conversation. Come on over. Let's ask each other some questions. I need to share being vulnerable with someone and tag you in. <laughs> right? These are things that we need to practice so that we can get better and so that we can go deeper. Um <clears throat> So when we're talking about the local love, the same podcast I was referring to, and that was that IBCD conference, one of them, um, he talked about love, and it brought to mind um, Phil's message that he did on 1 Corinthians 13 some time ago, and he brought out the fact that, like, all of those descriptors are verbs. They're all active verbs. Like, this is what love does, right? And so love is very active. It's not just, you know, a state of being. I am love. We are not love. God is love. We are not. So we are to do things out of the love we have for one another, which comes from the love that God is sending to others through us. Um, But again, John Rucker used to um, teach a Sunday school class, and he offered this definition for biblical love that really impacted me. Um, And he said it so many times in class that I ended up memorizing it, and I actually ended up teaching it to my kids. And so it's great because when things are, like, really escalating, I'll just say, like, what is love? And they'll tell me the definition. And I'm like, okay, so is this loving? So here's his definition. He says, love is doing the highest good for the other person according to God, no matter what the cost. That's Jesus' love, right? Doing the highest good for me, doing the highest good for you, Right? On the cross, doing the highest good according to God, we needed that reconciliation. We couldn't get it on our own. He did the highest good no matter what the cost. And it was costly. And he knew how costly it would be. 
part of God's grace is we don't know how costly sometimes things will be until we're in the thick of it. And that's probably good because we are not Jesus and we would probably go, you know, I don't think I'm ready for that right now. Um, But hard things will come across our path. Um, But that's okay. That's where we grow. If you look back in your life at the times that you grew the most, and you've all probably heard this before, right? It was during the trials. It was during the difficulty. It was the time that we got to the end of ourselves and said, I can't, and where do we go? We go to the foot of the cross and go, but you can, so go. (laughs) Because I can't. And that's good. It's good when God brings us to the end of ourselves. So love is doing the highest good for the other person according to God no matter what the cost. So what are the costs? We already mentioned one. It's time. Right? Time is precious. We all only get 24 hours in a day. But we all get the choice of what we're going to do with those hours. Right? We know we have to sleep for some of them. We know that God has work to do for some of them. What if we looked at our very busy schedules and said, part of the work God has for me to do in this lifetime is to be a good friend to someone. Who is that person, God? So that time that we've carved out for work, whether it's outside of the home, inside of the home, in the church, as a ministry, and I think the work inside the home and inside the church for ministry give more opportunities to say where could that fit you know like if you're one that has to be in an office from this hour to this hour five days a week your time might be more restrictive but do you have a lunch hour that you could call a friend do you have 30 minutes that you could send a quick note to a friend you know hey I'm on my lunch break just spend a little bit of time in prayer and the Lord brought you mind how can I pray for you today don't know how. If you already know how, let her know how you're praying. I think that that's encouraging. Um, So it doesn't require tons of time. God knows how much time you have based on the commitments you already have. So before you take on new or more commitments, maybe ask him, is friendship a commitment? I need to make a higher priority in my life right now. Um, And especially for those of you who work outside of the home in non-Christian environments or have husbands who work outside of the home in non-Christian environments. They need us to be investing in deeply biblical friendship with them because they're probably not getting it at work. Right? And I know that doesn't speak to everyone in the room because you don't all have husbands. But what about your grown children who are working outside of their homes? If they're believers, they need someone to be investing in deeply biblical friendships with them. If um, you have daughters or daughters-in-law who are at home, homeschooling their children, and they're with kids this big all day, they need deeply biblical friendships. (laughs) They need you to be having adult conversations with them, right? So um, how many of you homeschooled little ones? How many of you really need an adult conversation at the end of the day, right? So even if you and your husband read this together and said, honey, I need this when you get home, please, because these little ones suggest they're not giving it to me because they're not going to give it to you. They're not designed to give that to you. You're designed to pour into them. They're not supposed to be pouring it to you. Um, 
Can I interrupt? Yes, please. Someone said that to me a couple years ago. And said what? The idea of, oh, you have, she said, oh, you have little ones at home. Mm-hmm. Like, it dawned on her because she has bigger kids mm-hmm. and little ones. But <coughs> when she said that, it made sense to me because there was, like, a differentiation where she didn't have that same need or that I had because she had older ones to talk to, right? And so now that my older one is kind of transitioning to that stage, I feel less of that. Not that I don't have that need. I'm, I'm like, I'm, like, a social bug. But he is, um, he's feeling that a little bit. And so it is a little bit different because we can actually have good conversations together yep. and even biblical conversations yep. and talk about the Lord together. Whereas when I had just, when he was younger and I had just little ones, it was, as you were saying, like you are not having those adult conversations. And so it is, it is different and there is a deeper need. And that was very good for me to hear that and have that distinction. And so, I, I don't know, that was really, so someone actually said that. And I was like, oh, my form. Okay, that makes sense. So, right. But I say that because I think it is important for us to recognize yeah. the need that people have, women have, when they do have little people that they're not getting that. And so it's really important to reach out to them and have them in your home so that they can have that release. Yeah. So, Yeah. And for some of them, if they have a lot of very little ones, coming to your home might seem overwhelming to them. Mm-hmm. And if you recognize that, you could say, hey, can I bring you a cup of coffee? Because, like, my husband's off and my kids are older, so they're going to stay with him. Or, I don't have any kids in my house you can come over here because I've got bins and bins and bins of Legos or I can just grab a coffee and come to you and they can play in their room and we can talk or they can play outside and we can visit or, you know, whatever. Um, But, like, it makes me mindful of, like, you're with preschool moms at co-op. You're downstairs in the preschool room. Like, those are conversations that you can be having and know what their needs are and share them in environments like this so that when we see, you know, a mom and a dad coming into church, whether they're early on time or late, you can see on mom's face how the morning's gone. Several of you were smiling because you know. <laughs> you know what your face looks like when you get here in the morning with a lot of little kids. Like, because, you know, shoot. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> um, but think about people outside of your season of life and what their needs might be because they're different. They really are very different. Um, so the pathways towards deepening friendships are the one another's. How many of you have seen this bookmark? GCBC Covenant Commitments. We've all made them. Guess what's on the back? Tell me what's on the back. <laughs> it's all the one another's. Take these verses and pray through them and think about who can I be practicing these one another's with? We actually um, have had gone through them when we were um, a different Sunday school class, a smaller one, and we literally went through, like, all of these. And I had a huge stack. It's dwindled. I have four, but I can get more when Corey comes back. So I'm going to leave them right here. On so if you need one, please take one. Um, but I will bring more next week. Um, so, because this is, I mean, this is what it looks like. So, um, everyone who's a member of this church made those commitments. Every one of us. So you are in good company. We should all be fulfilling these. If you're not sure where they're at with the one another's, take a bookmark. Go have coffee and say, I've been looking at this list and I've recognized an area I need prayer in. I'm not good at this one another. Could we just take a little bit of time and pray for one another? Like, is there one maybe that you want to think about or that I could be praying for you? 
and maybe don't put them on the spot, but say, like, would you think about it and text me if there's one that I, I can be praying for you in? Because that's what we do, right? We bring each other before the throne of grace, and then we watch and we listen and we praise the Lord when he answers the prayer. Um, so he, this book offers a bunch of, like, practical steps at the end. We've talked about a lot of them already, but I am going to review them really quick. And the first two, um, interestingly, as we've had these conversations about talking and listening, are talk together and listen together. Like, we all just need to be doing this for one another. This is service. It's simply having conversations but getting better at them. Because um, no matter where you are, you can ask better questions and you can listen more carefully for those core values that we talked about. Um, serve together. This is a great one. If there's someone you're just like trying to get to know and your schedules don't match, like figure out, okay, where am I serving right now? Invite her to serve with you. Or say, hey, where, I'm looking for somewhere to serve right now. Where are you serving? Might I serve with you? Right? How many of you have served in the church in the past and if someone said, could I serve with you? Would say, oh, no, no, I got it. <laughs> Nobody says that. Of course you can serve. Help me, right? Everyone needs help, even if it's just, um, like, think about the um, Young Mary's ministry, right? You might not get intimately involved in the Young Mary's ministry, but you might say, hey, could we host an event for the Young Mary's, play some games, feed them, have some fun, and get to know them? Right? Or could you give me the list of your young marrieds with kids and approach them and say, we don't know each other that well, but I'd like you to know me better because I'd like to babysit for you so you and your husband can have a date night. Right? I mean, what young mom wouldn't love that? What young husband wouldn't love that? But you want to take our kids? She doesn't get to know you. You're a member here. Take the kids. (laughs) Not that we would do that. But... Offer to babysit for someone so they can have a date night. They're um, coveted amongst younger couples who don't get out that much. Um, They say one of the best things lonely Christians can do is get involved in the ministries of the church. Um, Because that's where we find one another, right? Enjoy life together. Meals are a very common way to enjoy life together. Coffee, tea, beverages are a very common way to enjoy life together. Um, We don't all share the same interests or hobbies, but do you know who shares yours? Like, what are your interests and hobbies? What are you good at? What could you learn from someone else? What could you teach someone else? I think sometimes we think, like, I don't really have that much to share with others. And then somebody finds out that you do something, and they start asking you all these questions, and it's like, oh, wow, I know more about this than I thought I did. And you can teach someone, and that's fun. Um, and then find out what they can teach you. Um, do you know what others enjoy? Ask them. You know, what do you do on your day off? What's your favorite way to spend a Saturday? Oh, who do you do that with? Recognize those categories of questions, right? Social, emotional, physical. Um, yeah, those are just all the dimensions we've talked about. Think together. Talk about deep things. Talk about the Word of God. But talk about other things that are important to you, too. Um, Have you ever read a book with someone? Established a regular schedule and read through a book and then gotten together and started to talk about the book, right, and maybe even finished talking about the book, but then doesn't that conversation take a life of its own and you end up talking about all of these other things? 
I mean, that's been my experience. It's great to read books together. And so some of the books that I'll bring would be great books to read with people. One of them is um, called True Community, Jerry Bridges. One of them is called Side by Side, Ed Welch. Um, how great would it be to find another woman and read Bonhoeffer's Life together? It's all about body life, right? you got to find the right person who actually wants to read Bonhoeffer. Um, I think everyone should want to read Bonhoeffer, but not everybody agrees. So find the book that works for you. Um, but read a book with someone. Read a practical book with someone, right? I was over at my good friend's house and saw a book, um, The Complete Kids Guide, to raising chickens, and we just got chickens. I'm like, can I borrow this book? And she's like, of course, take it. And so we combed through the book. I'm almost done with it. Um, you know, but these, these are the things. It's practical, too, right? It's just these are the fun things of life. Find out the fun things of life. Lots of us garden. Garden together. Share your produce. Share your seeds. This is life together. Um, and they say, be together. This is a quote. Never underestimate the power of personal presence. When it comes to friendship, there is no substitute for time together. And I think this was powerfully illustrated in 2020 when we couldn't be together. Or we weren't. I'm going to say we weren't together, right? There was a time when we weren't together. And there was, I remember a few Sundays where when the live stream stopped, it was the Ooh, I didn't expect that. It was the quietest five minutes of my whole week because I didn't have the body. We need each other desperately. And if you didn't realize that in 2020, then you really need to go to somebody and say, I'm not sure I'm getting this whole friendship thing. Will you help me? Will you help me figure this out? Because we need each other. I mean, it was weeks of not being together. And I'll never forget the first Sunday we came back, we chose to come to the early service. And not surprisingly, we were one of the only families with children at the early service because, you know, we had kind of lost the habits of, like, everybody get dressed and get out there. Well, so anyways, we were at the early service. There were lots of senior saints. And so, you know, our senior saints aren't our tallest crew. My family is not our tallest crew. But the tallest man in the church. I will never forget, ever forget Phil's face during worship that first Sunday together. I was singing and I happened to glance over him and he was looking at the faces of his flock. The smile on his face just screamed the love he has for every one of us. It was so touching. I will never forget the look on his, it was like, that is the heart of a shepherd all over his face. It was so sweet. And everybody was feeling it. Everybody was. It was so beautiful to be back together with the body. Because we are family. So, don't forget that. Um, social distancing is not for the believer. Um, we even saw a skyrocketing suicide rate among teens, Right? I mean, it was through the roof. People were saying, we can't be together because it's not healthy. Look at the rate of depression and suicide amongst our teens. That's not healthy. So, um, anyways, we have a lot of opportunities. These last three, I think, really start getting to these two inner circles. And they are harder. 
right? Trust together. That is harder for some of us than others. Um, He offers some wisdom here. I mentioned it earlier to learn to distinguish between betrayal and disappointment. Um, Friends will disappoint us. It doesn't necessarily, like, point to a character flaw. It just points to their human nature, just like we've disappointed others. Um, We have to have appropriate expectations and allow for our friends to cover those disappointments, right? We can cover a multitude of sins by loving them. We can also be ready to, or maybe even forgive before they come and ask, but be ready to assure them they are forgiven when they do come and ask, right? Think about how long Jesus walked with his disciples. Judas was one of his disciples. Did he know what was coming? He did, right? That was betrayal. That wasn't just disappointment. But he didn't take him out. So we need to um, extend grace. We have to resist the temptation to be afraid, to let people into our lives. Um, Hugh Black wrote a book titled Friendship, and he offers this. And again, I got this out of this, not out of um, Hugh Black's book. But he says, quote, every relationship means risk, but we must take the risk. For while nearly all of our sorrows come from our connection to others, nearly all of our joys come from the same source. We cannot help ourselves. It's part of the great discipline of life. So it might bring sorrows to let people in, but letting people in is also what brings joy. And when we let people in, we kick out loneliness. We're not lonely when we let people into our lives and when they let us into theirs. That loneliness starts to dissipate and we start really experiencing God's peace that surpasses understanding, his joy even in difficult times because we have someone to bear our burden with us when we have a good friend. Um, So trust together. These deeper levels are trust together. Pray together. Richard Baxter said, quote, It is a mercy to have so near a friend to be a helper to your soul, to join with you in prayer and other, another holy exercises, and other holy exercises, to watch over you and to tell you of your sins and dangers and to stir up in you the grace of God and remember you of the life to come, meaning remind you of the life to come and cheerfully accompany you in the ways of holiness. Wow. That's Paul, right? He warned people. He rebuked people. He loved people. He prayed for people. He prayed with people. Um, So it is a mercy to have a friend who's that close. So we trust, we pray, we repent together, and we're really moving in on this level now that we have such a trust that we can go to another and say, like, I have identified a besetting sin in my life. And the Holy Spirit has said, I need to come and confess that to you and ask for you to pray for me and repent because I've done this to you if that's true. Um, We have to be honest with one another or we won't really know how to pray for one another. If I don't know what you're struggling with, I don't really know how to pray for you. I mean, the Lord knows everything, so we don't have to tell everybody everything. But it's helpful to know. Remember that C.S. Lewis quote from last week, Um, you know, when he says, like, friendship begins when you run into another and go, like, what, you too? 
<laughs> we all struggle with things. And a lot of us struggle with the very same things. So talk about it. Ask for prayer. Ask someone how you can pray for them. Um, be the kind of faithful friend who tells your friend the truth, even if it hurts. Dr. Beakey says, quote, you may fear losing your friend. Has anybody ever been quieted because they're afraid to lose a friend? It's really hard to speak truth. It really is, right? But do you speak them to yourself? You do. Because you love them. And you want to see them reconciled with Christ. So we should view any friend in the same way. So you may fear losing your friend, but if you speak in love and your friend is humble and loves the truth, then you can expect that words of correction will strengthen your relationship. End quote. And then remember to be humble yourself. Right? Because it may take her a minute. You may be bringing sin to her attention and she may sin all over you because you just called it to her attention, right? Maybe she's just having a bad day. Are you believing the best about your friend? Because if you know she loves truth, she'll come around. But make sure you've taken the log out of your own eye first, right? We have to do that. Okay? So think about the difference. Um, and sorry to use marriage. It's just a picture, a really good picture of this. Um, think about the last time you really prayed and make sure you took the log out of your own eye before you went to your spouse with something. And think about how it went. Or your good friend, if that's your, more your season of life, right? Your good friend. How did it go? Now, juxtapose that with the time that you went and told your husband all the things he was doing wrong because you didn't like it. <laughs> did it end up a little different? Because it has for me. <laughs> Right? I'm not to speak out of what I don't like. I'm supposed to speak out of like, ooh, I'm seeing a break in the relationship with Christ here. That concerns me for my husband because I love him more than any other earthly person. I love him. I don't want to see that break. So I have to go and talk to him about that. And even if it takes a little while for me to get my heart right, because maybe it was something that was hurtful to me, I've got to get my heart right first because my goal isn't to make my life easier. My goal is to reconcile him with Christ. So what's the motive in bringing this before the friend? Right? To help. To reconcile. So we have to know the goal. Um, Robert Kellerman, who's a biblical, biblical counselor, um, says we need to get skilled at what he calls, quote, the art of listening to the conscience with grace. He says, forgiveness by grace is the dynamic God uses not only to cleanse our lives, but also to change our love. Christ woos us back to God by grace. So is our speech grace-filled? Right? Galatians 6 says, you who are spiritual, restore with gentleness. So we have to be gentle with our friends, especially if she's caught in a sin. Especially if our spouse is caught in a sin, we have to be gentle because they're already maybe not in a great place. So they might not already be in a great place to hear from us. So we have to be very careful that we go rightly. Um, and the last one is hope together. Hope gives us the right perspective. It gives us right thinking. Our focus becomes fixed. Right? as the reality of our eternal future 
is formed rightly around the word of God, will be the friend who is loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-control, which we need to be. And that will help others do the same. So 1 Corinthians 11 says, Timothy's friendship with Paul was a means by which God sanctified the younger man, giving him an ever-increasing richness of thought about God and the gospel and an ever-growing desire for holiness and conformity to Christ. Paul encouraged all of his friends to imitate him as he imitated Christ, right? And I'm sorry, that's what came from 1 Corinthians 11.1. My apologies. The previous quote about Timothy's friendship was from this book. I saw the reference at the end and misquoted. Um, But we are to imitate our friends who are imitating Christ, right? And so we have to be gracious and gentle with one another. And when we're not, we have to repent. And we just have to go and apologize and, and seek forgiveness. Yes? So it kind of ties in with a totally off the subject. Before people go, if anybody would like vegetables, <laughs> we have some green beans, tomatoes, and cucumbers. So. Well, praise the Lord. The farmer's market is open in the back. I will pray, and then uh, we will go upstairs. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love for us. Lord, even while we were still your enemies, you sent your own son to die for us. We can never repay that debt, Lord, that you don't call us to. You put the whole of the debt of our sin on your son. And then you express your love for others through us. So, Father, I pray that you would help each woman in this room to just experience your love in a deeper, richer way. And that as a result, we would go out and we would be ready to love others, Lord, in a deeper, richer way. I pray that you would continue to use this series to equip us and to arm us with the truth of your word that we might participate in relationships that truly demonstrate iron sharpening iron word that we would become more like your son as a result of being with one another more and more. And I thank you for this time and I pray that you would prepare our hearts for whatever you have for us upstairs as we continue our worship. In your name, amen. Amen.